Welcome to the 301 Colored Commentators, a monthly podcast series where two black men from the state of Maryland debate and get their hot takes on movies, professional wrestling, and TV shows. So have a listen, have a look-see, but nonetheless, enjoy. What's going on? What's going on, people? We're back. We're back. Yep. Episode 4. Episode 4, 301 Colored Commentators. How you doing? Cy? Anthony. Yes, yes, we are. And um, today we got a special episode for you guys. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, let me just say, um, about, a, about three weeks ago in the neighborhood that we grew up in, uh, there was an explosion in the friendly garden apartment complex. Yeah. Thankfully there were no casualties, but plenty of people were injured. Plenty of people were displaced from their homes with nothing except for the clothes on their backs. Um, what's it called? If you want to donate, there'll be some, there, there's a link in the comment section for a wider circle. They've been one of the driving forces in helping people get back on their feet. So, Absolutely. if you want to donate something, there, there's, there's a link for us down below. Anything is something. So, it doesn't have to be a million dollars. Oh, we will take a million dollars. Actually, they will. It would be <laughs> nice if you were that generous. But anything is something. Because there are a lot of kids involved in this as well that are displaced in the midst of school. So, um, we definitely will, or they will definitely appreciate your donations. Or whatever you can do to help. Yeah. be more than welcome. Yes, yes. Um, okay, um, so, uh, what's yeah. going up with you lately? What's Not much, man. Uh, I've been moving around, man, like, uh, because I've been busy with work, I actually have been more into the R&B scene, because uh, I actually, I actually focus more when I'm actually, uh, listening to R&B versus, like, hip-hop or music that is uplifting, because then I really, really, like, get into, you know, the rhythm and, like, but R&B makes me, like, like think and tune in and you know zone into the work but so uh just, current or a little bit of both uh current uh is a new artist her name is cash Ma. Mm. um she just dropped the album earlier this month called uh purple apartment yeah it's a vibe it's dope a couple of good songs on there i like uh specifically a track name 102 um also uh listen to Mariah the Scientist. I don't know if you ever heard of her. Mm-mm, I'm about to say Mariah Carey, but nah. Nah, this is a different. She's from Atlanta. Um, she uh, she was going to college at St. John's in New York, uh, studying biology, and I think Tory Lanez or somebody discovered her her music talent, and so she dropped out and started to make some music. She's definitely a vibe. Uh, got a couple of projects out. Um, so she does since she's into science and you know um, was studying biology she does a lot of wordplay and or even her current ep or whatever it's called uh, uh buckles laboratories presents the intermission or something like that so but i've listened to more of her oldest like, older stuff older stuff being 2019 mm-hmm. 2021 good stuff he's if you like like SZA, like uh Janaeco, she's a writer on that you know mellow chill vibe but dope writer as well and obviously, I also been listening to uh, some Afro beats. You know, keep it, keep it cultural. Um, so, uh, a new artist. Well, not really a new artist, but uh, an artist named Rama. He dropped an album actually just yesterday. So I, I was listening to it yesterday. It's pretty good. Um, it's called uh, Raves and uh, forget Raves and Roses. Forgot the title because it just came out, but. It's good, so I definitely recommend if you're into the Afro beats or if, if you don't know much about Afro beats, check it out. It's pretty good. It's got even a couple of American artists on there. Chris Brown's on there. Um, Black, 
the one that has the six, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. a few other artists on that joint. So, what about you, man? Um, lately, um, the one re- record I've been listening to is Tana Talk Four by Benny the Butcher. Yeah, that's that's. I know that yeah, the production on there, it's Derringer and Alchemist. It's sample bass heavy, but it's, it's that, that gritty street it's good. East yeah, Coast style that I like. Good. Yeah, of course, Benny's just talking about drug talk mostly, but the way he tells it is like, yeah. damn, dude, you're skilled for a guy, a guy who's younger than me like that to be that skilled in the yeah. game that's talent. Yeah. And he got signed to Def Jam too about a few months ago. Oh, really? I agree. Mm-hmm. So, so Tana Talk 4, that's his last independent release. I, I like the track in there with, with J. Cole. Yeah, Johnny P's Caddy. Yeah, J. Killer Edgeman. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a good album, though. Definitely, definitely mess with it. I, I, yeah, it's good, pretty good. Anything else? Um, in my car right now, I have a theme. In my Six Changers CD player, my theme for my hip-hop music for this week is uh, production. I got three of Ninth Wonder, three albums that he entirely produced. Versus three albums that no from Cunnilingus that he entirely produced. Legendary producer, yeah. Yeah, both of them are both of them are southern producers, very sample based. Yeah, ninth samples from old old school soul records, no samples from obscure obscure progressive rock records. But they're good at sampling at finding the hip hop soul in all these obscure all these obscure albums. Okay. Definitely we'll try and give that a listen. Um sounds good. I definitely have to listen to that, so I'll definitely check that out. Um, yeah, any uh, anything else uh, grab your attention outside of the uh, Ukraine Russian war going on right now? Oh, <laughs> and our gas prices, <laughs> our gas prices, yeah, yeah, we're being gouged at the pump, but um, <sighs> wow, wow, we'll, we'll adjust, we'll, we'll adjust. We always find a way to adjust after we finish complaining. Yeah, I hope, I hope, uh, some form of peaceful um, resolution is, is met close in ukraine and russia yes and in other areas and other areas that are even though they're not on the headlines other areas that are you know facing conflict you know obviously obviously palestine israel um there's also conflict in uh, ethiopia i know even um in asia um taiwan i think is is it taiwan well one of the areas is having issues with china so it's just not really in the headlines. So um, there's definitely a lot of other areas that aren't even really hitting the news that, you know, I, I pray for. Hell, we got, we, got issues with, we got issues with China, too. They own they own us, pretty much. Yeah, We're in debt to them. More or less. Yeah, we are indebted to them. Mm-hmm. You know, so mad debt. But yeah, I, I don't want to go in too deep with into politics. But yeah, you can't avoid it sometimes, especially in, in these days. So It's like Ralph Nader once said, if you don't turn into politics... Politics will turn on you. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. So, yeah, um, as you know, we have three major topics that we always discuss. Uh, Movie, episode. Movies, wrestling, and TV shows. For sure. Yeah, For sure. And, today's, and today we're going to talk about a very misunderstood movie. Yeah, I got family members that won't watch it because they think it's an overt horror, and others that yeah. won't watch it again because they just didn't get it. Well, they're about to when we, when we, when we break it down for them. Yeah. What are we talking about? The 2019 movie, Us. Written, yep. written and directed by Jordan Peele. Yeah, the, the writer and director for Get Out from a year yeah. prior to that. Yeah. For which he won the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay for. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. That is right. And let me just shout out Jordan Peele because he's one of the few black directors in Hollywood that's doing his thing. Um, yeah. Him, Ryan Coogler. Yeah, I'm Ryan as well. I'm pretty much convinced they can write their own ticket now. Yeah, yeah. E- even in a even in a even in a white dominated area like Hollywood, 
But in Peel, he's got a new movie coming out called Looking Nope. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. Yeah. yeah. He always has something something in his film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it makes you think. Makes you think. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that he employs black characters mostly. Like, he was an executive producer on Lovecraft Country, right? Yeah, he was. And he, he, was. And he made sure that there were black characters in that medium. Because there are never any black characters in Lovecraftian horror stories. I'm kind of mad they discontinued that. Me too. They could have gone another season. Yeah, yeah they could have. Yeah. It, it irks me, yeah. Yeah, me too. Like, not, not, not all white people's magic. All the magic in the world. Thank you. <laughs> 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, yeah. Yeah. So, um, with yeah. Us, though, Us, um, if you haven't seen it, uh, it stars Lupita Nyong'o, who was in Black Panther, along and Winston Duke. They were both in Black Panther. Shout out to Lupita. She, um, she went to uh, college with one of my really good friends oh, yeah? in Ghana's uh, younger sister, who also like directs and does screenplay. So, yeah, they, 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 they're dope. They're tight. They actually... Uh, Vacation together sometimes and stuff. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lupita should have got an Oscar for this. She's playing two different roles and playing them very well. Um, the story is about um, Lupita plays Adelaide Wilson and Winston Duke plays her husband, Gabe. And they got two children. Mm-hmm. When they're on a family vacation and they're suddenly attacked by a group of menacing clones of themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And what we learn is like there are clones of, of people all throughout America all throughout America and they live underground and they mimic, they mindlessly mimic the actions of their template who lives above surface. And the thing is, they don't ever communicate their suffering until now. Right. Yeah. Um, Peel, Jordan Peel said, one of the the driving force factors in writing this movie was the real life 1986 uh, American campaign, Hands Across America. Yeah. 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 Uh, which which kind of predated social media, if you think about it, because the entire point of Hands Across America, for those that don't know, was to was to end hunger and to form a massive human chain of people holding hands throughout the continental United States. Yeah. That was that was impossible even on paper because they didn't take into account <laughs> population, climate, elevation. Yeah, exactly, land. Like, when, I was about to say topography. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And when it all and when the event happened on Sunday, May twenty fifth, nineteen eighty six. It was it was a massive failure because there were there were there were gaps in the chain and, and people didn't even pay to get, they had to pay ten dollars to get inside the chain, yeah. right? Some of them didn't some of them didn't even pay, and there were bus drivers who were seeing this and stopped their bus, made people get out of the bus to complete the chain, and it fell short of their fifty million dollar goal. It only raised fifteen million, and even Ronald Reagan. He participated in the chain and was yeah. rightly criticized for it, considering what he said about hands across, what he said about the hunger, about poor people and hunger, like days prior. He said, I don't believe that there is anyone that is going hungry in America simply by reason of denial or lack of ability to feed themselves. I'm like, people, she said, people don't know where to go to look for food. Like, and, and, I think wow. that, and I think that's what Jordan Peele was really homing in on, the class division. Which was really a heavy a heavy factor in Reagan's America. Yeah. yeah. Um, we both saw it in the theaters. Uh, what yeah. What did you think? Um, I think I think the movie illustrates or outlines two things that are kind of intertwined. One of them is uh, you know the class system or socioeconomic social social economic societal classes. Um, and I think it also sheds light to 
people having two sides to them, a good and an evil. And based on the environment they're in, one aspect or one side can be the dominant side, uh, depending on like what, what your tipping point is. Uh, and I think that the movie illustrates that to a T. Um, I think Jordan Peele kind of outlines the fact that we are, there's, there's an element of like equality that is kind of subtle in the sense that the fact that you, me and you are in a middle class doesn't make us any spe- any different from someone that's in a poor class. And I think that's that's really illustrated when, even in the beginning, when Lupita goes to that, that little place in the, in the oh, by the beach. I forget yeah, the fun house. The fun house, there you go. And she exchanges places with the, her clone or the dark side of her. Mm-hmm. And the dark side of her becomes the dominant character, more or less. And in that in that aspect, she's still able to, regardless of her, she I guess the dark side represents yeah. dark side represents the poor, underprivileged, um, struggle person in the struggle. Yeah. Well, as she switches places, the person that is in the rich side or the middle class now goes to the dark side, and she goes to the middle class. And in there, she's still she's still able to thrive. She grows. She becomes a flourishing woman that has kids. But she is damaged. She's damaged, for sure, because obviously she's experienced. She knows how it is to be, you know. Experienced horrors, like, like since her dark side is now the more dominant of the two above surface, yeah. she mindlessly mimicked her her clone's actions, even to yeah. the point of giving, even to the point of how she had to give birth to her children. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, they, she exactly. said, when she was speaking in the third person with that raspy voice, she yeah. mentioned, they had to cut her open. Yeah, 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 yeah. And my child was born laughing. Right, right, exactly, exactly. And like, um, even to add on to that, like, I don't know if you, if you, if you notice, like, even in the movie when when she they go back to the to the beach on vacation and her her son goes missing. Yeah, she gets extra scared because she has just like any parent that comforts, for example, like a parent that comes from the hood and has made it out of the hood would never want their child to visit or have those ex- those tough experiences in the hood so like she has that 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 innate moment where like oh my, my son has potentially you know gone to the fun house or like he's gone missing like mm-hmm. she has flashbacks and i think that's natural for, for just humans do that when you come from hardship you def and you have children you never want them to experience that same hardship so you do your best to move them as far away from that as possible and i think you get little aspects of that in in that scene especially um and i think the tethered yeah and when the tethered represent americans i think even the title of the movie us that could stand for the united states States, because even in the film when um when gabe asks red lupita nyong'o's uh clone he asks who are you people she replies we're Americans, mm-hmm. as in they're the forgotten, the downtrodden, the yep. lower class, the underground, the underground who were forgotten about during Reagan's America, like during things like Reaganomics, which where the wealthy hoarded what more wealth for themselves, um, the hands across America, which didn't do anything for the po- for hungry people Trump, except yeah. give the image of looking like you're helping them. Yeah, exactly. Welfare queen, AIDS victims, exactly. 
Yeah, they're they all they're all they're all the tether allegories for all of them. And which is why the movie takes place in eighty six as well. Like I yeah. said, Reagan's yeah. America. And there are plenty of allusions to eighties references in the plot as well, too. Like in the beginning of the film, after it mentions about that makes mentions about the millions of miles, the hunt, the thousands of miles of underground subway tunnels yeah, in America yeah, yeah, that, that, ha- that have no, no publicly purpose. known purpose. Yeah, yeah. They show a commercial for Hands Across America, but on the TV, if you look closely, they also they also show like VHS copies of movies like Chud and The Goonies, both yeah, of which take yeah. both of which take place underground, like this film, like That's it's tethered. That's true. And um, and as and and the go the go back to your the, your comment about people's dark sides. Thriller. Thriller is used a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. T-shirt. The yeah. T-shirt, yeah. Like, and when Adelaide's dad wins a wins her a Thriller T-shirt during the opening at at the Santa Ana Santa Cruz Carnival. Yeah, yeah. And plus, Michael Jackson's red jumpsuit mm-hmm. and, and single glove helped inspire the tethered's look. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the Thriller. And if you recall, the Thriller music video it ended with the reveal that Michael Jackson was a monster all along. Yeah, yeah. Much like how Us ends. Yeah. I think another thing, I think another thing that I, I, I noticed about, you know, the, you know, the Tethered was their jumpsuits was very reminiscent of jail jumpsuits. And it could Prison. Be, yeah, yeah. Prison, exactly. And it, it may, it just shows, it, I think they're illustrating that the, the less fortunate and the Tethered are criminalized a lot of times, sometimes unfairly. Um, and like uh, it's, you know, it's 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 uniform throughout the whole movie. They all have that jumpsuit that they all definitely, definitely looks very prison oriented, um, which is very which I thought was very interesting. And they got bunk beds too, just like prison. Like prison, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's it, they live, they live in, they live in what's, they live in what they think what well not even what they think is a prison, but as we later saw in the film, there's an escalator right there, but they just don't know it. Exactly. They could get out, they just don't realize exactly, it yet. Exactly. And um, what else? The, and each tethered member, they have a scarred right hand, too. And it's covered by that fingerless glove. That's true. That is true. Oh, what did you think about the uh, the gentleman with the uh, with the biblical scripture, Jeremiah 11, 11? That, two things. One, it not only speaks to what's it called, God saying that what's it called, you guys shouldn't have no idols before me. Don't do that. And even if you realize you're wrong, don't come crying to me because I won't help you. Right. But it also, Jeremiah 11, 11, the numbers are parallel. 11, 11, like a palindrome. Yeah. Tethered. They're the same thing, both yeah. sides. Both sides, yeah. And also, it speaks to having idols. The white family in the film, the um, the Tylers, right? Yeah. If you look at the dichotomy between them and the Wilsons, the black family, yeah. Adelaide's family. Yeah. The black family, they're solid, middle class, but happy. The Tylers, they're rich, unhappy, unhappy. and constantly trying to one up, one up people. Each other, and, and each, each other, other too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And furthermore, what late what leads me to think that they have idols and why their God won't save them? When the wife, when she gets killed by her tethered copy, she says, "Ophelia," which is their version of Alexa. Yeah, Alexa. Yeah, 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 yeah. Call the police. <laughs> Fuck the police. <laughs> <laughs> That was funny. That was funny. That was played for laughs. Yeah. yeah but it yeah. showed that what's it called? You. This is your God. Your, yeah. Your 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 AI. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So God, the real God, He ain't coming to save you. Right. Right. Exactly. And, that was a good, good good take there. Yeah. And also the um, it seems that this whole thing was only confined to America because they explained that the tethered the American government created clones of its citizens to try to control them, mm-hmm. 
And when they realized they couldn't, they could only clone the bodies and not the souls, with, yeah. with Adelaide being the exception. Exactly. They just abandoned the tethered underground, right? But um, exactly. it looks like it's just America because it doesn't look like it's a worldwide thing. The rest of the world didn't have clones. Yeah. And another thing is, I thought was very interesting was at the beginning of the movie where Adelaide switches sides. Like the original Adelaide goes to the underground mm -hmm. and then the other one goes up. The one on the underground after tasting how it feels to be in those dark, demented, underprivileged, you know, environment, she does everything in her power to get out of there. So she even rallies, she actually orchestrates the whole tethered escape and you know revenge against the middle class or the people that are up top and to turn hands across america on his head because that was one of her last memories on the surface before being snatched to live in the bottom exactly and i believe i honestly believe if people in real life if people were to switch roles people that are privileged and people that live in the middle class or you know higher classes were to switch collectively mm -hmm. Two poor environments and poor circumstances. I guarantee you there will be a revolt the same exact way. Chris Rock once says, like, there ain't a single white person in here that would trade places with me. Exactly. None of you. None of you would trade places with me. Well, and I'm rich. Exactly. It's one thing to know. It's one thing to know about it. It's one thing to feel. Mm -hmm. Once you feel it, it's very different. Very different. And I right. think that's what, what the movie actually illustrates in that, that whole aspect. And the music, too. I mean, um, yeah. Uh, one more thing. They made reference to one of my favorite movies, The Lost Boys, during the beginning of the film. When oh, they, even Santa, Santa Cruz. Yeah. They were like, yeah. I think there's a movie Santa being filmed Santa, over there. It's like Santa Carlos. Mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to The Lost Boys. It was a classic. Yeah. And the music in the film is very dissonant. Like, what's it called? Detached. Yeah. Like, the the, the dark string version of Lunas is, I got five on it. Yep. That's a weed song, actually. <laughs> We, we we heard that when we were seventh graders and we didn't know that back then. Yeah, yeah. We just thought the melody was dope. Yeah, it was dope. Yeah. It's a great song. And the tethered, when they the tethered Tyler family, when they're killing their uh, their templates, the good vibrations by the Beach Boys is playing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was funny. And of course the aforementioned Fuck the Police by NWA. NWA was there. Yes, yes. And for some reason, Le Fleur by Minnie Ripperton plays in the end when the, when it shows the tethered has succeeded and the oh. ending credits. I'm like mm -hmm. that's a, that's a hippie song right there, I but yeah, yeah, yeah. but looking at the lyrics, it's like one of the lyrics in there goes, um, "Ring all the bells, sing and tell the people everywhere that the flower has come, the tethered have come." Because yeah. you see them all throughout the mountains holding hands, holding hands. succeeding what 1986 failed. failed to do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the helicopters in the background and smoke in the background too. It's like okay, the tethered. They turned hands across America into a bloody uprising. Yeah. And it worked. It got them attention that they that they needed. Yeah. And I think I think the fear from the people above kind of is, is reflective of society in general. Like people love status quo. Like people always say, yeah, people are always quick to say, oh yeah, we should feed the poor. We should, you know, help. The, the what you call it this but disadvantaged or whatever but in reality they, they, everybody wants to keep the status quo very few people actually want to change it very yeah. people want to change it because when when the, that change starts to happen people 
people want to put their foot down. And with Hands Across America, it was like many people they just wanted to get they just wanted to get their picture on TV or get a picture with a cool celebrity. That's that's all, yep. that's why I say it's a precursor to social media with what you see now. Yeah. Like people that go to Black Lives Matters protests, they're just there so they can just say, I was here. <laughs> Optics and aesthetics. Uh huh. Yeah, you don't give a fuck about Black Lives Matter. That whole thing was no comment. That's another discussion. Mm-hmm. But nothing has changed since that whole movement. Uh, it was a beautiful thing that everybody came out, you know, yeah. to protest and everything. But it was, at the end of the day, it just it just proved that it was just. It ended up. I don't say proved. It just ended up being aesthetics and optics because the actual change that the protests were actually geared towards haven't been done. Mm-hmm. And that's another discussion. I don't want to get into that rabbit hole right now, but. Uh, yeah, man, it's, it's a yeah. great movie. That's a good Check movie. Check it out. Like, if you haven't seen it, um, yeah. I mean, there's some frightening aspects here and there, but it's not. A, I don't really consider it a horror movie. Yeah. I, I think Me it's, neither. A, it's a thinker. It's one of those. Yeah, it's like most by both like Get Out before it. It's a social satire disguised as a slasher flick. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's a little bit darker than, than Get Out, though. But it's, it is. It's not. It's. I don't. I still don't consider it like a scary. It's not a horror. Movie. It's not a horror to me. Now. I didn't. Yeah. There's might be a jump scene, but it's like. Yeah, nothing that made me close my eyes. Exactly, and like a lot of the reasons why I think us us didn't fail, but it didn't get the same attention that Get Out got, and Get Out focused more on race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this is more about class, class. divisions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but I, I think ultimately, it, it definitely illustrates the good and the bad side of an individual. Like it could go either way, and it, it's always, almost always, determinant. Or determined by your environment, right? So, like, a lot of us are quick to say, Oh, this person is evil. This person is, if you live in their world, yeah, nur- probably be the same. Yeah, it's 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 nurture, nature, exactly. Sometimes, exactly, sometimes so, both. We all have it in us, yeah. It's just we are able to suppress it based on how we were raised, uh, our like our day to day circumstances. Our, our day-to-day beliefs and some uh, and some are better at it than others but yeah. there is a tipping point and god forbid we all you know get to that tipping point where we flip to be where where our dominant side is evil versus good and i think jordan peele illustrates that very well in the movie so he does yes he does yeah yeah, yeah. so but yeah man shall we shall we let's do it dog oh Here's what I want to talk about. One thing before we move on to pro wrestling. This is the 25th anniversary of Life After Death. (laughs) That's my guy, yo. Biggie Smalls. That's my guy, yo. Rest in peace. Yeah, I I actually bought that when it came out. The day it came out. Me too. Well, not the day it came out, but I bought it when we were eighth grade. The day it came out. (laughs) The first hip hop album to go diamond. Ten million copies. Man, Mm -hmm. I haven't seen this in a minute. Have you seen that? Yeah. I remember Judy. Calvin, yeah. Yeah, he borrowed he borrowed mine like a week later. Yeah, he kept hounding you for it on the bus. You remember, like, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, this is the GOAT, man. Yeah, Biggie Smalls God, right man. here. This is jump right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Right now, okay, we're going to talk about our top three favorite wrestling matches. But first, R.I.P. to Scott Hall, a.k.a. Razor Ramon. Yep. Yeah. I, uh, Outsider. Outsiders, N.W.O., for life. For life, baby. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we had the privilege of meeting him two years ago. Well, three, three years ago. Years ago yeah. Three years ago with our friend Cito. Yes, sir. Yeah, Hall, he was he was cool as hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just like how you see him on TV. It's like, yo. He was very humble, too, mm-hmm. man. Like, I remember, 
I was I think I was taking a picture of you was I taking a picture of Cito with somebody you were trying to get your camera in focus right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and he goes hey 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 I got something you can focus on <laughs> <laughs> I was like hey go ahead I'm like focus the camera on this hey focus on, on, on the yeah, crowd yeah 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 so like we talked to him we rapped a little bit um, very humble I was actually shocked how, how nice of a Person he was. And yeah, he he looks the character of Razor Ramonza with the slick back hair and the and the toothpick in his mouth, but yeah, he was mad cool. Right. And like over there they were actually charging for pictures. He didn't even charge them. So he was just like, yeah. oh, let's, let's take a picture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he was cool, man. Mm-hmm. Him, him him and Sean Waltman, yeah, they didn't even charge yeah, for pictures. Six yeah. pack. One, two, three kids. <laughs> However you remember him as. But yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was a great experience. Rest in peace to the man. Oh yeah. Definitely a wrestling legend. Funny guy. Gave us memories, yeah. Yeah, man. We actually once upon a time thought he was actually like Cuban. Yeah, all my all my all my Latino <laughs> friends in elementary school, they were telling me flat outside, he's not Hispanic, dude. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but I should have known better. I'm like, I should have known because y'all would know better than me because y'all yeah, would start yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Tony Montana. That's that's the inspiration. You watched it, God Chico. <laughs> so Yo, one of his greatest pictures of all time was the way he took in the hood. You see the picture? Yeah, I seen the one in black kids. That's hilarious. Yo. Funny. Yeah, that was funny. It was yeah, funny. What's the goal? Yeah, man. Definitely rest in peace to the legend. Mm-hmm. His ladder matches over the legendary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of them. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Shawn Michaels, right? Yeah, both of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely great. All right, our top three favorite wrestling matches. Uh, you start with yours first. Uh, well, we, we, what we'll do, we'll do one each. Yeah, one each. Yeah, one so, each. Like, I guess my first one. That's what she said. Wow, but yeah, yeah. So my first, my first one, I'd say, I guess I'll go in chronological order. Okay. Was uh, the ten man tag team match from the nineteen eighty eight Survivor Series, November twenty fourth, nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, man, uh, great match. Uh, featured on one side the Powers of Pain, the Outlaws and the, the Outlaw. I said the Outlaw, the Warlord and the Barbarian, mm-hmm. the Heart Foundation, Brett and Jim, um, the um, what you. Rockers. The Rockers, uh, we had Shawn Michaels, Monty Gennetti, the uh, Young Stallions, Paul Roma and Jimmy Powers. Uh, who am I missing? The Bulldogs. Bulldogs, Davey Boy and Dynamite. R.I.P. to both. Yeah, and then on the other side, we had Action Smash, Demolition, uh, Brain Busters, Arn Anderson, and Tully Blanchard. Mm-hmm. Then we had the Rougeos, Jacques and Raymond. I'm trying to see who else. Uh, remember? Uh, oh, the, the Conquistadors. Yeah. The Conquistadors. I don't know who was. Who was I don't know who was in the Conquistador one, Conquistador two. Probably Guerreros. Yeah, I know, right? The Luchadors. Mm-hmm. We don't even know who, who they were for real. Yeah. Um, then we had the Bolsheviks. Because because Hector Guerrero was a gobbledygooker. Oh, he was. Huh? Yeah. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, then there was the Bolsheviks. Nikolai and um, what's the Boris? Yeah, Boris Zukov. Is that the whole team? That's everybody. Yeah. So, but yeah, um, great match display of just classic execution of wrestling like just great on paper the powers of pain team was just much better but the demolition actually won the match yeah and they, and they had a face no, the powers of pain did win the match yeah but, they did but they switched it was just a great display of action and then at the time it was unpro- like you, there was a turn of events that, that occurred where um demolition go because they're managed by mr fuji he turns against them like near the end of the match which causes them to be eliminated. And somehow, some way, I was kind of blown about this because I was actually a fan of the Powers of Pain. But they go and help uh, Fuji, and that was pretty much the end of their tag because they became garbage after that. 
Yeah, they 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 had they were trying to make them. They were trying to keep them as faces with Mr. Fuji, but it was unexpected face turn for demolition. Yeah, yeah. So they didn't know how the fans were going to react, basically. Yeah, the fans loved Yeah, the fans ended up just switching towards the demolition yeah. right there and there. Um, Even though, realistically, the powers of pain should have beat demolition at one yeah, point. Yeah, it should have. It was, prior to the leading to that, man, they were so dominant. Mm-hmm. And then a turn of events happened, and then they just kind of went down the hill. But... Man, there were some out, there were some standouts in there. Of course, like some of the names, like Shawn Michaels was great, Marty Jannetty was great, um, Dynamite was amazing throughout the whole match. Um, the Barbarian, like I definitely watching it now, I definitely had a new found respect for him. He was just crazy, like big dude, mm-hmm. three hundred pounder, just like flying all over the ring, throwing people around the ring. Um, Demolition was traditional, just hammering. It was just a great match. Like they, they were feuds. Yeah. Like the you remember the Rockers and then um, and then the Brain Busters got it. They got disqualified. Oh, yeah. Going at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had the and they had the what's it called the uh, the Bulldogs and the Rougeaus. They had some beef, so they had to yeah yeah exactly their shit early exactly exactly exactly. So but that 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 whole that that match stole the whole pay per view actually. I think it was the best match in that pay per view. And I just, even till today, I still enjoy watching it sometimes. Like, you know, this is a classic match. It just reminds me of when I was like six, seven. I used to watch that continuously. I used to watch that a lot. So it's definitely, just because of that, it's definitely one of my favorites of all time. So I definitely, that's definitely my first one. Scroll a little bit. Oh, good. So uh, what about you, man? What okay. are you? Chronological order. Okay, my first favorite match is a six-man tag match. Not even a tag match, but a six-man cage, cage match. Yeah, three on three. <laughs> March 5th, 1988. It wasn't on Saturday night's main event or, or on Superstars. Mm-hmm. But was it, it wasn't a, Square it was, it was MSG. It wasn't a house show, neither. It was recorded for one of those old best-of Coliseum yeah. home video compilations. It was uh, the Macho Man Randy Savage, along with the WWF Tag Team Champion Strike Force, Tito Santana and Rick Martel, led down to the ring by Miss Elizabeth, and against what's it called, the um, the Honky Tonk Man and the Hart Foundation, Brett the Hitman Hart and Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Um, what's it called? As soon as the Macho Man and Strike Force get in the ring, the heels, they immediately go at them. They just start beating them, axe handles, and they rip off Strike Force's shirt, start choking them with it. And Bret Hart, I just remember, he, <laughs> Bret Hart and Rick Martel, both Canadians, they're just going at it. And Bret Hart, he was playing it super cool, like I'm a cool heel. But then Bret, <laughs> Rick Martel just takes his t-shirt, runs up behind Bret Hart, oh, yeah, like, choking him, banging his head like that. I'm like, and Bret Hart was really selling, getting choked. But um, that match was more funny to me than anything. Yeah, I, it was yeah. it was a fun match for me. It was just fun to watch. It was, it was funny. I I just found it funny. Uh, and. Yeah, and the it, was la- cool. it was a cool match though. And, cool match. and also, what's it called? The color commentators, both deceased now, Gorilla Monsoon and Lord Alfred Hayes. Yeah, yeah and you can hear Jimmy Hart yelling at them through the microphone. Yeah, from England. Yeah. And the last two men standing in the match were, uh, um, what's it called? Savage and Honky Tonk. Yeah. yeah and that. Savage, he's like the method actor of pro wrestling. I swear to God, the goat, man. The detail he puts in there, making the match look good, making himself and his opponent look good. Yeah. Yeah, because Honky was getting like was getting on him in the in the beginning of it, yeah. beating him. But then Savage comes back, goes crazy with that macho madness, and Honky's like, no, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. And then on their way out of the cage, <laughs> <laughs> Savage just goes like, 
Boom! Elbow. Elbow, and then. Oh, yeah, he, he, does, his, <laughs> he hits his crotch on the, the ropes. He hits his crotch on the ropes, yeah. I remember that. I remember that. The way they sold every wrestler in there, the way they sold <laughs> the submission moves, the, the, the finishing maneuvers, and getting out of the cage just made it a fun match for me. That joke was hilarious. Man. <laughs> was a funny match. And Savage, he just looks like such royalty. The way he comes to the ring, he wasn't champion no more. He wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't. Honky Tonk had the title at the time. He wanted it. Yeah, he had it at the time, yeah. But he would come down with them shades, that robe, yeah. and just come down with that pomp and circumstance music and high-five his boys and strike force. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, okay, you were really selling this. It's my guy, man. It's fun to watch. Yeah. Good match. Mm-hmm. Fun, more, like I said, more so funny to me than, <laughs> like, like, what's up? I'm next, right? So yeah, you're next, yeah. My next favorite of all time was the career ending match for WrestleMania 7. Ultimate Gloria versus the Macho King, Randy Savage. You know I can't go... Without putting the goat in the joint, man. <laughs> you know, everybody knows I love Macho Man. That's my guy. Mine too. Yeah. Um, that match was amazing. It was amazing from start to finish. Like, at the beginning, Savage comes down. Oh, yeah. He's there, you know, being carried as a king with, with Sensational Queen Sherry. Um, and then they pad over. Elizabeth is in the stance. You know, she's in the fans as well. And they they're looking nervous as hell. And they fake like, like what's it called? Like Bobby Heenan was able to spot her. You're right. He's like, yeah. like, oh, I, 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 several thousand. Obviously, it was scripted. That looks like Elizabeth. It is. It oh, is. Come on, dog. This is sickening. She come and see him lose. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shout out to Macaulay Coker. He was out there. In the oh, yeah. yeah. Mad people were out there. Yeah. This was in L.A. So, you know, the, the L.A. Coliseum, yeah. But, yeah. First of all, the lead-up to that match was great. The promos, you know, Macho mm-hmm. Man has great promos. He's calling the Warrior a wimp. You know, making, interfering in the Warriors matches, costing him the WWF title. Um, obviously, the Warrior will respond with absolutely nothing in his promos. He's just saying <laughs> a lot of weird shit that don't make no sense, but we loved it anyway because mm-hmm. it was the Warrior. Yeah. Everybody loved the Warrior. But yeah, so they finally get to it as a career-ending match. The loser, first ever, I think, right? It yeah, yeah, the first ever career-ending match that I've seen. Yeah, the, and if it, and if it wasn't, it was the first one involving big stars. Yeah, so the loser is out of wrestling forever. So well, maybe not forever. Yeah, but, but at the time they the sold time, it that yeah. way. They sold it that way. So, but yeah, so in the beginning, Macho Man comes in. because it was a career-ending match. There was a lot of nerves in the like we fans were just kind of like, whoa, who's who's this? Done, who's just done for after this because these were great these were like top pinnacle superstars at the time big like name sellers so like it'll be crazy to see one of them out of the you know out of the competition forever and mind you he was a macho king Randy Savage at yes, the time too he was the king at the time um, and so like it would be it was hard for us fans to see wrestling without either one of them because they were so big at the time so they come it's nervy antsy macho man comes the warrior comes out. Like, warrior doesn't even run. Like that's yeah. how serious they made this. Like warrior always runs to the ring. He's actually walking. And people grabbing him. He's like, get right, off. like get off. He's like, so like he's focused. See the warrior walking down, not running. You're like, damn, this is for real. And he's got a trench coat on he's, too. Exactly. He's wearing a trench coat that has him, Savage, the belt. Like yeah, just a lot of very symbolism. dramatic. Yeah, it's very, very dramatic. Dog. Even his tights, the back of his tights had the WWF belt. Says means, means more, more than this. this. Yeah, so like, yeah, so like their nuts are on the line basically. Mm-hmm. They come down, man. They 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 go they go. That match goes at it. 
How many times he double smashed water? That's, don't even bring that up. That blew me, dog. <laughs> How do you get? You got out of five elbow drops, dog. The average wrestler doesn't get out of one. Mm-hmm. Macho Man has won titles over which one of those. He gives five consecutive elbow drops, and the warrior gets out of that. <laughs> I was insulted. No, I wasn't sold on that. I wasn't sold on that. Very but... insulted, because you know, I have a special place for the Macho Man. So that just blew me. <laughs> Long story short, the Warrior wins the match. Great match. With the one foot pin. One foot. Even more insulting. <laughs> Can't believe that shit, man. <laughs> Had him, foot on him, hands up. I was like, come on, dog. How insult? This is, this is the king. So he beats him. Sensational Sherry is. Blown because now she has no one to manage, but Macho Man loses, so his career's over. She goes in there, and starts beating him up. And she takes off part of her dress. Yeah. And, he, and even Bobby Heen's like, Come on, Sherry, he did his best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he yeah. wants to longer anybody out of him now. Right, right, right. And then all of a sudden, she oh. kicks him one more time. Elizabeth hops out of the stands. And he's like, Go, go. And she's less attractive here because she cut her hair. Yeah, she cut her hair. Um, but she grabs Sherry by the hair. No yams. She's <laughs> cute though. Yeah. cute. But yeah, she comes in there, grabs Sherry by the hair, throws her out of the ring. Obviously, Savage gains consciousness, he gets to gets up to his feet, and he's like, What the hell are you doing here? It's like, Well, you the one that was kicking me? He's like, No, I saved you. Oh, mush, all mush stuff. Yeah, it, it, it was that still that still has emotional weight today, dude. That yeah. still is a great thing to watch. Even the color commentators, they were like, She loves him. She loved him from the beginning. This is, this is sickening. I second that. <laughs> no, I still like watching that. Even the uh, it was great. It was great cinematography, great drama. Drama, drama to yeah. Add to it, it was good. They uh, made they made it feel real, even though the people in the yeah. audience that they focus on those motherfuckers that they paid. Yeah, they were crying and shit. Yeah, it's like yeah, they definitely. <laughs> it was definitely a climatic end. Yeah, climatic end. So they have traditional macho man putting her on his shoulder like oh, old times. I love that. I love that. To, you know, cap it off his career and and that was it. After that, you could turn off WrestleMania 7. That was it. That was the main event. Even though that was not the main event, it sold the show, which is why I had to pick it, dog. It was a great match. Warrior usually, first of all, the Warrior's not a very good wrestler. And they think, yeah. He's very brutish. I love that about his matches, though. I ain't gonna lie. He's not a very good technical wrestler, but the fact that he's just so brutish, just just throws people over. But the Macho Man, to his expertise, helped sell this match to a T. That's why they paired them. Yeah, because they thought he'd be better. They thought he'd be in better hands with Randy Savage because exactly. of his attention to detail. Exactly, and that is one of the greatest matches of all time. Which is why you can't even find it to stream. It was a warrior. B- barely, because they copyright that joint so hard because they know it's. It's rest, it is WrestleMania Seven. After you watch, you watch WrestleMania Seven when you get to that match and it ends. Cut it off. You can't even find the whole match on YouTube or even Daily Motion. Nah, because it's 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 copyrighted heavy because they know it's a great match. That is definitely one of the, my favorites. That sounds great. If y'all like this kind of mush, <laughs> maybe your shoes are on too tight. Rest in peace, Bobby. Here, every head. everybody in that match except for the referee, all of them rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, they're all dead actually. Bobby Heenan, Gorilla Monsoon, Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, Sherry, Warrior, Savage, yeah, yeah. all of them. Like another thing that's very telling about how great or 
grueling that match was. By the time the match was over, all the Warriors paint. You saw his bare face. Yeah. You rarely ever saw that. All his paint had sweated off. And that just told you, was tells you it was like a battle. And definitely one of my favorites of all time, man. Rest in peace to the Ghost Savage. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. Yes, sir. The match on the next match for me is is actually what's it called another Ultimate Warrior match. It was the match of the last the previous year's WrestleMania, the main event there. Hulk oh, Hogan shit. versus Ultimate Warrior. I hated that match though. April Fool's Day of nineteen ninety, Toronto, Canada, the Sky Dome. Oh, garbage. Champion against champion, title <laughs> for title. <laughs> the lead up was better than the match though. <laughs> the match, in my opinion, I still hold it dear because that was the first time Hulk Hogan got beat fair and square and lost the belt at a WrestleMania. Facts, though. Yeah. Facts. But but in retrospect, looking at it from a storyline perspective, I, I will admit this: What the hell was Hogan going to do if he actually won with the IC belt? Was he going to drop a WWF belt and become IC champion? It was not. Nah. Just, it didn't suit him. It didn't suit him, and he would not have gone for that. Yeah. Yeah. The build up for the match was good, and it never been seen before. Both belts on the line. Both faces, the biggest stars in the company, at the biggest event in the company. Yeah, yeah the lead-in was good. The warrior ran to the ring, and he had a warrior symbol painted on his chest. And he had his colorful, whenever he had any title, the Intercontinental Belt or the WWF Belt, yeah. it would always be framed with like a different color, white, yellow, or blue. Yeah. This time, the IC Belt was yellow. And Hogan came out of the ring with his usual all-American fanfare and whatnot. But... um. During the match, it lasted over 30 minutes. Hogan tried his usual, uh, his usual, I'm, gets indestructible, no, no, no. And the Warriors like, what? Boom, boom. None of his shit was working. And then when Hogan hits him with the, the foot to the face, and he's about to drop the leg drop, he's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. This is not going to end with you getting good. Warrior moves out the way, but then just drops on him. The ref just slides down there. One, two. Three, like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. No more Hogan as champion. He got beat fair and square by a face. That was the only good part about the match. The fact that Hogan, <laughs> Hogan lost the title. And then him, and him bowing out, bowing out. And to show you how garbage that fight was, look how quickly <laughs> he wrapped it up. <laughs> See how quickly he wrapped that match up? <laughs> she was garbage, though. I'm telling you. One of the most underwhelming matches I've ever seen. It was not as bad as the following year's uh, main event. But it was bad considering the pinnacle of those two two athletes and two 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 wrestlers. I was just happy to see Hogan just lose. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I definitely can agree with that. But all in all, it was terrible. And lo- and, and the celebration in the ring and and, war- and Hogan looking like a in, in Hogan's mind in real life he was probably a sore loser by having to put give the title up like that. Yeah, of course. I do like the sorry to interrupt. But I do like the fireworks and the confetti they have for the Warriors. Me so too. Me too. Cool way to kind of illustrate the changing of the guard. Yeah, they were they were supposed to be a changing of the guard, like the new, uh, the new generation passing of the torch. Yeah. yeah, it was supposed to be that. But what happened next year? They give the belt right back to Hogan. And I think one thing to outline about that match is we already knew the Warrior was a terrible wrestler. Both I of think, them. I think that match also outlines how bad a wrestler Hogan was too. The only reason why Hogan was able to one up was the fact that he was just a huge physique. Yeah, and a lot of his main events involved like colossal wrestlers that he overcame, which kind of helped sell him over. But when it actually came to him actually having technical fights with people that were more or less around his size, it was just terrible. It was just evenly matched almost. Yeah, yeah. but then it illustrated how deficient he was or inept as a wrestler he was. 
even even in later years, like when he fought Sting. Yeah, Sting's a better wrestler by far. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like just, just go just just go down this chronology. WrestleMania one, when he fights um, Piper and uh, yeah, the tag team with, with him and um, Mr. T. That was a garbage match, not memorable. Second one, he fought King, King Kong Bundy. Bundy. This is a colossal guy, so it helped. Third, Third one, Andre. He slammed him, but that wasn't even the best match. Right, yet. right. It was a good match because of the fact that, you know, the hype, the fans made it great. Uh-huh. And the fact that, again, he was a, call, a warrior, I said warrior. The <laughs> giant was a colossal figure, so it was like he's overpowering the giant, you know. Uh-huh. So that helped. The following year, he was in the main event, which was great. Then the year after that, um, he fights Savage. Savage sells the match. Pretty much, yeah. he's a better wrestler by far, and the buildup. Terrible man. So like the following year when he fights the Warrior, it was just as equally as terrible. Maybe slightly worse. It, it gave off a terrible match, which is why he wrapped it up in two minutes. <laughs> Hogan, Hogan lost. That's why I hold a dear to my heart. Yeah, Hogan lost fair and square, and we did not, and we didn't get to see that all American posing in the ring for an hour, Thank waving God. an American flag. It's like it's like just just shoot me now. Thank God. Yeah, that, that's yeah. the only thing I agree with him about that match. Otherwise, nah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my last one, right? Uh, one. Yeah, your uh, your last one, yes. The greatest Royal Rumble of all time. One of my favorite heels of all time. The Nature Boy, Ric Flair. There you go. The Nature Boy, Ric Flair, came in as an underdog. He told the world at the end of this match. First of all, that Royal Rumble, the prize was the World Wrestling Federation title. It was vacated because of Vacated. Hogan. Here you go, the Nature Boy. Nothing special other than the fact that he has swagger beyond the roof. You know, most hated wrestler in the organization. Everybody was gunning for him. He had the odds coming in at number three. 30 men every two minutes. He came on number three. Everybody was coming for his throat. And before the match, he told y'all, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to be the last man standing. And I'm going to have that title hoisted up. He got lucky. Call it what you want. Sid Justice. Sid Justice. And not Call it what you want. Call it what you want. He had Piper coming for him. He had the Bulldog coming for him. He had Hogan coming for him. He had Sid Justice. He even had the Undertaker at one point. Everybody came for him. Came in at number three, dog. And outlasted everyone. He's a dirty player. He's like he's like in Dao Kung Su. No, 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 no. He's an intelligent player. <laughs> he's an intelligent player. Hitting the weeds. When he stores opportunity. Yeah, hitting the weeds, pussy. Who won the title, dog? <laughs> oh, only because Hulk, Sid Justice was feeding Yellen Hogan and Sid, and he took advantage of that shit. Who was crying at the end of the match? Sid Justice. And who? Hogan. I. Who was smiling at the end of the match? Three people. Yes. Three blondes. Three goats. And, and, and one, one, one fourth guy. No, 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 never mind. He wasn't in there yet. Never mind. He wasn't in there yet. And to top it off, the promo at the end. Or should I say, it wasn't even a promo because <laughs> it was just the rapper, just the, the, the icing on the cake. He came out and told you, I told you so, dog. Came from number three. <laughs> I'll last a few names. They were all in there, dog. Savage was in there. Undertaker was in there. 
Sid Justice was in there. Hogan was in there. Speaking of which, the funniest part of that Royal Rumble was what's it called? The Savage Rick, uh, Savage uh, Jake the Snake. <laughs> he eliminated. <laughs> he eliminated Jake the Snake, right? But then Savage goes to the goes to the second rope to beat on him some more on the canvas, right? Yeah, he's dog. beating on him. But then Undertaker gets out of the ring and puts Savage back in, as if to say, first of all, You're not you, can't, you, you can't eliminate yourself, and secondly, you don't even probably eliminate right, yourself. Right. Get your ass back in there. Right, and then he jumps right back over to go back. That was funny. But yeah, 30 men, you could name them, 30 of your favorites, they were all in that joint. All of them. Well, except the warrior, he was out of the business by then, but mm-hmm. everybody else was in there. And Flair came from the weeds, number three, came at the beginning of the match, before the match, he said, yo, I'm the nature boy. He's but I'm going to win the title today, dog. He's the ultimate troll, knows how to get inside people's heads. And I love it. And I love it. Like with Savage at the next pay-per-view event. I love it. The flyest heel of all time came, predicted that he was going to win the title, outlasted <laughs> all of them, took a beating, by the way. They beat his ass. Yeah, he was bloody at the end. Oh, of the they end. beat his ass. His hair was all flaky because he was sweating <laughs> it out. It was as, it was as bloody as his tights were. No, it was a. It is if you want to watch the Royal Rumble, there's a lot of them. Watch that one because it's the goat of goats. Anyone where Hogan didn't win, that's goat. Yes, he had them all crying at the end. Piper hated him. Hogan hated him. They all hated him. And Piper was IC champion. So what he crying about at the time? I don't even care because <laughs> my man came in there without the title and left with the title. Well, technically, he came in the WWE with the title. With the WCW title, <laughs> he just illustrated the swagger. He took their title and brought it to another organization, a rival organization, and had it on and had it on camera on national TV. Like they give two middle fingers to Ted Turner. Yeah, middle finger to my former boss. I I left as a champ. I'm coming to take your title too, Vince McMahon, and he did that. What? Go watch it, baby. Go watch it. Go watch it. All right, what's your next one? Okay, my, my final one. <laughs> my final one. This was a game changer for, for wrestling right here. It's King of the Ring, uh, June 29th, 1998. June 28th, 1998. This wasn't even the main event. This wasn't even the King of the Ring tournament. It wasn't even Stone Cold Steve Boston versus Kane in the first blood match. This was a steel cage hell in the cell match between Undertaker and Mankind. Of all his matches, this is the one I respect the most. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah, this one right here, this was the level of violence in this match. Oh it God. changed what you can do in pro wrestling. It, it raised the bar, especially for this promotion. Yeah, you can watch it now. Like, it's too barbaric. Yeah. It, it was a good match. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, the falls were planned. I mean, right. Undertaker, Undertaker comes to the ring with his dead man gimmick, and he has a broken foot the entire match. And he's fighting Mick Foley, hardcore wrestler extraordinaire, in his Mankind gimmick. They're at the t- and mind you, the last few... The last... Um, the last Hell in a Cell match was at uh, Bad Blood in December of 97 between Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, where Kane debuted. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And even that one, was, that one was pretty violent with Shawn Michaels falling off the top of the cage. Incoming! Incoming! Yeah. On the Spanish <laughs> announce table. Yeah. But yeah. this one, when Taker and Mankind were battling at the top of the cage, and Taker grabs him and just throws him off, and he flips and just lands violently, and every all his machinery goes everywhere... And people standing up to see, good God, oh, is he dead? That, that match is crazy. Even 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 Vince McMahon, he came out of the ring too. It's like, if McMahon's down here, this must be serious. Yo, like, I got, I've, I've watched it as an adult. I can't watch it comfortably. It's, it's very cringe. Like, either of them could have died. Like, literally. It just once, 
small mistake in one of those falls. Yeah. It could be a snap neck, a para- paralysis, broken back. like. And all the injuries that Mick Foley oh, suffered throughout that match. Thumbtacks in his body. Like, yeah. Come on, man. It was just too barbaric. But it's a good match if you actually put it in. Yeah, I mean, we thought we thought when we thought the match was gonna end early, right? Foley being carted out on on a stretcher, and Jim Ross like, this might be the shortest Hell in a Cell match ever. Foley came back, and then so. you hear the crowd yelling, and they're like, "What's going on?" And Foley's on his feet, smiling, and they're like, "You're kidding! How in the hell is he standing?" How, dog? And Taker was coming down with his hand still up on the cage, and he's looking like, "Okay, How, okay, you want more? Okay, let's do this. Okay, How, okay." And they get back on the top of the cage. And then the infamous part happened. He choke slams him. This was not supposed to happen. He choke slams him, but Foley goes right through the cage and lands violently on the ring, in, into the ring. Yeah. Like, you're kidding. Boom. Oh! And Jim Ross like, good God. Good yeah. God. Yeah. That's it. He's dead. Duh. Well, somebody stop the damn match. Enough's enough. Yo, watching that match for the first time was crazy. Yeah. Like, you literally, your, your jaw would drop with some of the falls. You're like, yo, why and how? <laughs> yeah, my, well, I was watching on paper. Like, we were 15, and we were watching what? on pay-per-view at home. And once in a while, our friend, our aforementioned friend Alex called me and told me, did you just see that sign? I'm like, yeah, I saw that. Good God. Yeah. And my dad, he was downstairs watching the event. He called him, Sai, did you see that crazy white man that's going off the cage? Shout out to Big Shaq. Happy birthday, hey, it's bro. My, it's my father's birthday today. Happy birthday, Big Shaq. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I saw it, and I still can't believe it. Can't believe it, dog. Yeah, then he gets thrown right through the cage. That was not supposed to happen. And that's where the majority of his injuries got. He had like a bruised kidney, oh. broken ribs, dislocated shoulder, um, a tooth and a half knocked out, a concussion. He had like a lacerated... A lacerated... Like he's, his, his tongue could like stick through his bottom. It was... Yeah. They don't pay him enough for that, dog. I don't know why they did that. Yeah, and, and he, when he tombstone... When he, when he piled drive taker and then fell in the corner... They're like, oh my god, he's smiling. And then in a later match, yeah. in a later like retrospect in the match, Foley says, I wasn't smiling. His mouth was closed. I had a oh, hole. Yeah, in my, in my, in my bottom lip, I was sticking my tongue out through there. Yeah, it's disgusting, man. And people came down to the they match. Don't pay, they don't get paid enough for that, dog. And Taker is carrying on with a broken foot throughout the whole match. I heard. Yeah. I heard. It's crazy. And he's like battling people off. Terry Funk, Gerald Briscoe, Pat Patterson. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And Foley brings out some thumbtacks. Thumbtacks. And and Taker, Taker manages to wow. slam him on them and even tombstone him on them too. And they're sticking in his in his, oh, it's all over his all over his bare skin, his I bare arms. That match is barbaric as hell, dog. But it got a standing ovation. It's that like was a match. Of, that was not only match of the night. That was match of the year. Yeah, I yeah. definitely respect the match. It was just it's barbaric. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it, but I do. I respect I do. it. No, no, I wouldn't recommend anybody that that. Does wrestling to do? Yeah, I don't. You don't try that at home. Like that backyard nonsense. Yeah, because what's it? It was a great match. I'm we, not gonna lie. Because we had a, we had a friend that we, he had a trampoline in his grandparents' backyard. Right, we used to try shout wrestling moves Sean. there. Yeah, shout out to Sean. And that's when we learned firsthand that these wrestlers they work together in making these moves work. Yeah. You ain't you ain't actually lifting me and slamming me down to a power bomb. Yeah. I gotta swing my legs up and work with you. Exactly. A hurricanrana. That's two working together. Yeah. Yeah. All them kind of type of moves where. Some kind of explosion is needed. There's yeah. no way you're carrying a two, three hundred pound guy and executing that to perfection. I don't care fuck, how strong you are. Fuck no, Hogan never lifted Andre the Giant. No, no. Andre to leap up a little bit to work with exactly. Hogan. Exactly, and I, even with that, I heard he tore some some of his lats because uh, there's still 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 a lot of work to be done. Yeah, there is. Yeah. But 
Yeah, man, that's a good match. A shot. Definitely out of your matches. Second one was garbage, though. Okay. okay. <laughs> you gotta, gotta give me points for Hogan losing, and so we both don't like I, I'll give you points for that, yeah. yeah. Okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank yeah. you very much. For sure. For sure. Okay. All right. So um, we'll be back on. Lastly, we're gonna talk about. Let's talk about Cosby. As in Bill Cosby. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, the, it was a it was a four part documentary that came on Showtime during Black History Month, yeah. which a lot of conspiracy a lot of conspiracy theorists uh, think about because of what, how it debuted. It was by writer director W. Kamau Bell and his exploration of Cosby's descent from America's dad to sexual predator. Yeah, he, they, he had interviews with comedians, journalists, uh, Cosby sexual assault survivors. Mm-hmm. It was very candid. It was the first of its kind, kind of conversation about the guy, mm-hmm. his careers, and his crimes. Mm-hmm. Personally, I think he did do it. Yeah, but, but when these allegations came out, they were beyond this. I'm not trying to sound ignorant, but they were beyond the statute of limitations. So legally, legal, ethically, yeah, something should have been done. But legally, what could have been done is what I had. Is the question I had at the time. Mm-hmm. But obviously, something was done. Because one of the women that was within that statute, and they were able to get him in jail, but it didn't last long, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um... Cosby did work as a comedian at first in New York nightclubs and on tour in the 1960s. Yeah, he had the series I Spy from 1965 to 1968, where he became the first black actor to star in a dramatic role on network television. He later frequented children's children programs like Sesame Street and The Electric Company and was in several films in the 1970s. Yeah. Some of which, many of which bombed, like when he was the devil in one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I, 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 I laugh at that one. I remember that, yeah. But I will say that wasn't as bad as his 1987 film, Leonard Part Six. If you wanted to apologize for something, have him apologize for that. <laughs> Shit was garbage. Uh, and I used to, funny, let me just say this, I used to, Whenever I had to stay home from school, when I was in preschool, stay home sick, for some reason, that movie, The Chipmunk Adventure, and the sci-fi movie, Inner Space, would always be on a marathon whenever I had to stay home sick from school back then. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, Cosby, the most notable thing that he did was The Cosby Show and Fat Albert. Yeah. Yeah, my parents, they had us, they had us watch The Cosby Show when we were growing up to see what dignified black folks on television actually looked like. Yeah. Yeah. And because um, before that, we had 227, um, Good Times, mm-hmm. Sanford and Son, which were black oriented, but depicted us in the hood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, not all black people live in the hood. And the Cosby show wanted to show that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was one of the most durable family comedies in the, in the history of television, actually. Yes. But the numerous sexual assaults and allegations against Cosby, mm-hmm. a- including him, and, well, the one he was found guilty of was 2018 when he was found guilty of drugging and sexually assaulting a Temple University employee. Um, he got a three to 10 year sentence for that, but got released last year with his conviction overturned. Yeah. And this show, it's released during Black History Month. I can see why people think it's suspect, but on the other hand, it could just be one coincidence. Yeah. Um, to highlight how big the Cosby show was, when it, when it, when it aired in the 80s, it had a third of the U.S. population watching. I don't think any other primetime sitcom or show, even in today's world where we have uh, Big Bang Theory, it doesn't command that kind of audience on TV today. Uh-uh. It shows you how many homes it touched at the time. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, 
I was gonna say, what's it called? Like, how did like Cosby? He opened the door for a lot of people. Like, I mean, he his success as a black man in a white run industry like Hollywood, yeah. it speaks volumes. And he opened the door for other people. But then again, there's this attitude towards women and black America that mars that. Mm. Yeah, like how did he transition from America's dad to America's most angry granddad? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, he's done a lot for the black the black diaspora, black community in the United States and worldwide, actually. He's, he's opened doors for a lot of black comics um, strategically. Um, He's opened doors for blacks in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Was, they were very typecasted when he first started, you know, coming out. You know, black man, black woman, were either depicted as an idiot at the time or servile, yeah, servile coons uh, that just didn't know what they were doing. Or if it was a black woman, she was either heavily sexualized or she was the mammy, the overweight mammy, and there was no what you call it, uh, versatility for the black man in Hollywood at the time. And when he first got casted for I Spy, he started with opening doors for black stuntmen. Mm-hmm, yeah. Believe it or not, at the time, before that, they would <laughs> they would do blackface to white men to in order for white stuntmen to act as black men. One, so obvious. So obvious when you could have just casted a black man. So he op made sure he opened doors for that. He opened doors for co black co stars and things of that nature in Hollywood. Um, education, like he said, he, he tapped into the uh, the world of um, children. Yeah, when he made TV. yeah, like even his uh, comedy album, what's it called? Bill Cosby talks about drugs. What's it called? Which yeah, won a Grammy. Yeah, won a Grammy. Yeah, see, they can try to trick you, couldn't they? <laughs> um, yeah, he opened his, his comedy albums. They were influential as well too. A lot yeah. of black comedians, even though Cosby wasn't one that was stereotypical that talked about race or cursed on yeah, stage, he avoided he, that. He still he still influenced guys like Eddie Murphy, mm-hmm. uh, Martin, um, what's it called, Godfrey, Godfrey who, yeah. who was featured on this documentary yeah. as well too. Yeah, yeah, like, him being an I Spy that was a watershed moment for black people on TV yeah. and. He wasn't stereotypical, but he wasn't making noise either. Yeah, um, and like you said, he fought to get he fought to get black stunt performers Absolutely. on TV with years of white stuntmen just doing blackface. Absolutely. But like, what's it called? He talks about Spanish Fly on a lot of his records too. Yeah, which... yeah, yeah he's... exactly. So like throughout, even in the... even when he was doing good things, he had hinted a lot of the things that came to bite him back in the butt during these, a lot of these rape allegations. And that is more or less evidence as to prove it's why that he did it. Yeah, I mean, he, he's basically, he thought he, he was telling it with impunity too. Like when he was on Larry King Live, yeah, yeah. telling in detail how he used Spanish Fly. Or like even a running gag on the Cosby Show for years. Well, like during a cookout scene, he'd be like, class, you know why people love my barbecue sauce, get all lovey-dovey. Cause I put my little formula up in there. I'm like this. This dude is snitching on himself. It's like, the, like, like the MF Doom song, "Rap Snitch Knitches." Rap snitches telling all they business. Get in the court and be their own star witness. Do you see the perpetrator? Yeah, I'm right here. <laughs> Pretty much. But yeah, um, to add to that, like, uh, I think Cosby came up in an environment where like uh, chauvinism and uh, 
you know, sexism was was tolerated and accepted. Like a man should should feel the way he like should be able to dominate or do whatever he wants to a woman, and, and that it's, is that is accepted. Like it's considered bravado. Like a sense of entitlement. Exactly. Almost. Exactly. Not even almost. It is entitled. It is like you, it's entitled to a woman, especially if you're a power man of power. Yeah. Um. And in 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 that era, and it's even illustrated in movies at the time like even the documentary you see scenes from different movies around the 60s mid late to mid 60s where like a lot of that is, is illustrated like taking advantage of a woman is considered uh, you know bravado like a man's duty yeah um, like so, you're scoring points with your boys right so a lot of times Cosby didn't see that as wrong which is crazy but it's, it's his reality that that's the environment he was brought up in yeah. And, and that's not that doesn't justify what he did, but mm. it's important to understand where yeah, it's next, what's, where this is coming from. It explains it. It doesn't justify. Yeah. 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 Um, and it, I think, but and I was gonna say him being him having the uh, the overlay of being an educator that that was supposed to hide hide his proclivities. I think. Yeah, and it's it's funny because Cosby's denial and and condescending attitude in his latter years even in this trial yeah i think i think is rooted from a lot of insecurity because i based on his educated education track he wasn't the brightest person in the world man like he didn't really graduate from high school he did he ended up getting a ged in the military eventually yeah yeah but like he was he went to a lot of prestigious high schools and he didn't finish a temple he didn't finish even high school like he went he started with two private really good high schools that Mm -hmm. he never completed um, before he finally got the GED, then he went to Temple. He didn't finish there. Then he went, I believe, yeah. UMass Amherst. I yeah, think. UMass is where he actually um, got, got the his e- master's for EDD education, right? Did he get the, the EDD though? What's it called? The, the educational doctor was that honorary or was that actually? Did he actually earn? No, he earned. He that. earned it. He earned it. He earned the it. dissertation he used for Fat Albert. Yeah. But some people even doubt he wrote that. Yes. Yeah, some people think what's it called? What's it called? Your ED, your educational doctorate. It's like that's not even a real doctorate. Right. So like, I guess it's like a like a point of contention in the doctoral community. I guess right. And you know, we all know he made he made a killing and he made a lot of money. You know, yeah. so and he gave back to the community. So shout out to him for that. He helps and, immensely and, in like HBCUs, donating money to some facilities even, and programs. And even starting out on TV as an educator, when he had lost, stolen, and astray, the show about Black history, yeah. he, he didn't want to go with the whitewashing of history exactly. at all. Exactly, which is yeah. huge. Yeah, he's he, yeah, he focusing on what's called racial images, saying our self images are deformed because of racism, yeah. and it actually and he actually goes in on racist imagery. I'm, I'm surprised that was even on TV at the time. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Um, and uh, being a student at Temple, he also donates buckets of money to them. Yeah. So he was in their was it honorary executive board or whatever they call it. I don't the know, board of board, board of directors, I guess. Directors, yeah. Well, no longer there, but he was. And even in that, his encounters with a lot of black people in either the faculty or even, well, funny enough, one of our good friends, very good friend of ours, yeah, who was the SGA president of the undergrad, this whole school, undergrad, I think, yeah, mm-hmm. undergrad, um, when we were in college in the mid two thousands, um, he had he had encounters with Bill Cosby that weren't very pleasant, and he was he told us that Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby is basically a dickhead. And he's very impolite and condescending and rude. 
I'm like, nah, man. We we, 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 we didn't believe that. We didn't believe that. But then you watch this documentary and it, it just justifies everything you told us back in the day. And you got, I was like, you just a hater, dog. I was like, yo, not even just a hater, but when you watch the documentary, you actually see other people's accounts. Accounts and, and him, you're like, yeah, and was wasn't lying. And how and how he acts on screen. It's like the the uh, the, the Emmy Awards one year, Wanda Sykes, oh, yeah, when, she, when she was hosting, and she's just, she's having fun with, yeah. She's having fun with Larry David, who's right behind him. I'm talking about Larry, Larry show. He don't know what he's doing. Now, Bill, why don't you improv like Larry? You got a well-written show. Everybody's well-spoken. Uh, yes, we speak English. And like, I don't know if I was Wanda Sykes. Wanda, much to her professionalism, kept it going. But if I was her, I wouldn't know whether to keep it going or smack the fuck out of him. Right. And even his encounter with the, the, the Doctor Hill. Doctor Hill. Yeah, that was. And he reminded me of Naeem. He approached, he approached Cosby respectfully, right? Yeah. And then Cosby, he just puts on sunglasses, turned aside, Mr. Hill. Then he would call him Doctor Hill. Yeah, never mind the and what did Hill say? Like, never mind the fact that I'm the one with the real doctor. Exactly. Side. It's like, did I, do you, did, the, did I fuck with you? He's like, nah. Why are you fucking with me, man? And then he goes ahead after they have that. Are you tenured? Right. Are you, are you tenured? <laughs> that's, a, that's a bail threat. It is a threat, exactly. So, like, so what happened after the Yeah, encounter? so like then he goes and has a conversation with like the board and he says that he, he tried to have a, a, a conversation with Dr. Hill and he was unable to have it. And Dr. Hill was like, What? Hey, you weren't so listening. Def- defamating my character and then slandering me. Yeah. Cause you yeah. got reach like that. Yeah, man. Yeah. So uh And I and I will say sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead, go ahead. I will say he at the NAACP meeting where he went off, he had points about black America at the time, but it's like he was making a broad generalization. Not not every black person in America is like that. You want to direct it at them, do it at, target a certain segment. I agree, and then that's not like the only thing. I'm not a fan of bashing our people unconstructively. Like if you if you're going you're going to address our problems, which we do have. I'm not saying we're, we're, we're clean. We definitely have issues within our community of African-Americans and black people. But when you're approaching that, you have to be constructive. The way he approached those things, he was just more or less just bashing and just kind of insulting. Right. It was very condescending. So it's just kind of like, dude, and get- how, how about you encourage as opposed to just bash? Because if you're bashing, then you're... You're basically insulting and not really being constructive. And like he's any different either. I mean, he came up as a he came up in the projects in North yeah, Philly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and yeah, you made it out, no doubt. But it's like you still got a responsibility of people to come behind you. Yeah, yeah. And like, of course, a lot of political figures that you know mm-hmm. kind of are mar- like tend to support the marginalized status quo, or, or or should I say, the image of black people ran with. What Bill Cosby was saying in a lot of those, yeah, and I don't, I don't blame him for his leverage, but I was very disappointed because I, I would never like just come and publicly bash my people without being constructive. Like, nah, I won't even bash them. It'll be more of a constructive approach than out here insulting my people. I'm not even better. I'm one of them. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I do think he, I do think he had points, but he went about it the wrong way. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So. Yeah, to to add to that, like uh, again, uh, he, regardless of that, he definitely was a huge influence. And like, and, I, go ahead. And yeah, like what's it called? In the seventies, I mean, when he was going against the racist imagery and going against black exploitation as well, like yeah. him and Sidney Poitier did films to yeah. counter yeah. black exploitation. Yeah. And mind you, Cosby did one movie every year. None of them, none of them were successful. 
a lot of his shows in the 70s and last. He directed and stuff. Yeah, yeah he, he did, yeah. Made sure he had an all-black, you know, cast and mm-hmm. well, mostly black cast and, you know, co-workers and behind the scenes and stuff. He was really trying to make it for black people in Hollywood to be successful Definitely back then. For that. Yeah. And for many people, Bill Cosby was their first teacher. I mean, Fat Albert, that was a funny take on black life in North Philly. Yeah. Had laughs and fun lessons. Yeah. But what's it called? Um... Yeah. Even even in the eighties when he's doing these PSA announcements, like when one for Quaaludes, right? He gave a P- he gave a PSA in eighty six for Quaaludes, and it starts off with if you're ever unconscious, and then has the benefits of drugs as a statement in there too. Yeah, he uh, he yeah. a lot of his stuff that he did back then, even the, the aforementioned barbecue gag in the Cosby Show, all those are viewed in a different context now. Yeah, like and then to add to that, like. You know, representation is so, like, underlooked or overlooked, should I say, because things like Fat Albert really connected to the black community of kids that were, you know, from the hood or, like, lesser privileged, or they could relate to a lot of those characters. Um, and even with The Cosby, Cosby Show was the first sitcom that I was very conscious of. Like like you said, a lot of the ones before were around. My parents watched it, but the Cosby show was something I related to because I'm from a middle class family. I had siblings just like they were representing on the show that I grew up in the household. Very similar mm-hmm. with, you know, educated parents that had jobs and, you know, encouraged us to be yeah. educated and take off, off school and, you know, Mine's life's yeah. life seriously. So, like, I connected to the Cosby show. So a lot of black people also saw that, that representation as, yeah, we are also here. Like, mm-hmm. we can also be successful. And of course, it has some detractors in the black community, too. Right. But it's like it's like those people. It's like they they think black people are a monolithic group. We're exactly, not exactly. We're not. And even the the spinoff, the different world, was 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 genius because I actually not only encouraged but it also showed the light that yes, black people do go to college too, and yeah. like we have college interactions, social college interactions, as well as academic interactions. And for those that weren't in school or that that stereotype of blacks can go to college when they saw that show it was an encouragement to say yeah oh wow i can definitely go to college college is like that college is dope i, I, want, do I want to go to college yeah, yeah exactly so he did some genius stuff like let's not get a twist like i, I definitely give him his roses where they are definitely yeah i mean i mean he was a he the cosby show was revolutionary for tv i mean it was a watershed moment all black cats on tv yeah. and the year the year on which it debuted 1984 that was a key year for black celebrities. I mean, they were a worldwide phenomenon at that point. Yeah. And the media, but the media portrayed black America as apocalyptic. Like if they look at the South Bronx yeah. and it had it like eroded, they, they show the areas that like eroded from the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. But, but, but it's like not the Cosby show. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. But, but there were so many telling things about it. Even though. in the Cosby show. Yeah. yeah good. Even in there. Yeah. Yeah. Like why was, why did he choose to make make his special? He, he was a doctor on the show. Yeah. Why did Why did he choose his specialty as OBGYN and operate out of his basement? You know the funny thing. What's that? That's how I. That was the first time I ever found out what an OBGYN was, what gynecologist <laughs> was. I didn't know. As a kid, I learned about gynecology through him. <laughs> Not side through through uh, Cosby, well, of course. That's well, how I, of course, yeah. That's my first time I had. That's actually uh, <laughs> what he got. That's actually how I knew they had doctors for that. That. That, that whole you know area and you know yeah. so it was interesting that but like you said it's strategic and that's in his basement <laughs> and, and he was known as to be a control freak on, with women on the set too yeah yeah like lisa bonet oh you did huh yeah like what's it called like she he didn't want her to do angel angel fire or angel heart 
the drummer she was nude with Mickey Rourke. And oh, Kramer. he didn't even still. He didn't want to do that. Yeah, 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 I see. And I think he kicked her off the Cosby Show because of that. I see. Uh, but even ironically, in the audience, he used to have like rows of models that he used to have, you know, brought to the set. Uh huh. And he would like after the show, he'd bring them in to his office or whatever. Like the sheriff in Nottingham, like and you, ten thirty, exactly. you ten forty-five. He closed the door and. Nothing was known what happened after that, so yeah. I'll let you tell it. Um, um, but yeah, yeah. As far as the allegations, man, it was Hannibal Burris. His joke let the cat out of the bag. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. He was joking too, but he was joking. Yeah, but people started when he told people to Google that. They actually did it when they left the show. Yeah, exactly. And then it started to pick up weight, and then the women started. Here's the thing, though, like, and it's something that is. It still plagues um, America to the day. When, like, when women come out, especially with men of power, when women come out to, you know, report um, that they've been raped or or had any sexual assault, it's always over, always looked over, or like swept under the rug, or just kind of t- the blind eyes turned to it. Because a lot of these women, even at the present time, he was doing this. Some came out. And nobody would like take him seriously because of course, of course it's Bill, Bill Cosby. Cosby. Yeah, he can do no wrong. Yeah. Um, so I, I hope, even though I have my doubts, I hope this opens the eyes to to America, like especially with black women, because black women a lot of times they don't people don't ever take their words seriously, and like watching this show, like seeing how how heavy some of this hit some of these women, especially the women of color. It, it definitely hit home a little bit and, and like just being one that has been raised at home predominantly of black women um i have sisters i now have friends and, and family that have daughters i just thinking about like if they were in that situation if god forbid of course um someone would happen to rape them or molest or uh, abuse them and they would have come forward and nobody would listen and take their word for it how you know we, terrible that would be yeah we tend to take it more seriously when it when it hits yeah. when it hits home when it hits at home exactly like and I, I understand like I, I to some extent I understand the denial especially for black men because Cosby is one of the only bright lights a lot of us saw as child like as a, as a young men or kids a lot of times black men weren't shown on TV in a, in a, in a positive light so right. With him, you know, breaking grounds for a lot of black people and people of color in general, and you know, holding that positive light, it's kind of hard to like see your hero or somebody of that nature in a negative light. But I mean, at the same, at the same time, he's human, so that doesn't excuse his acts. Um, for me, um, my only thing is he still to the day hasn't shown any remorse and. For me, as a man, I can't respect him for that. I just can't respect him for that. I acknowledge and, and appreciate everything he's done for black people or people of color or just in general. Um, but for me, like, I, I'm one to give people second chances. I'm not one to judge. So, like, if he shows remorse, I'd be, I'd be a lot more comfortable with... Actually, I won't be more comfortable with it. That's not the right, right choice of words. Not the right choice of words, but I'd, I'd be, I'd be willing to be like, okay, 
This man fucked up. It was a project of his environment. Um, You'd be willing to give him a chance if he acted more remorseful. Yeah, but he's he's still on his, he's still on his high horse and denying, and he's that the entitlement is still there, and I, I, I can't respect him for that. I'll be how, honest with you. How did Camille stay married him all these years? I, I, that's another thing. <laughs> that's another thing. But it's each his own, man. I don't know. I live in Massachusetts with my probably, Camille. I don't know if he treated her like shit, but he was definitely like. He definitely... She knows. Yeah, she knows. Everybody knew. Yeah. Even the people that were interviewing in the show, like, yeah, they knew he was unfaithful or whatever. Um, but they gave him a pass or whatever. She yeah. did too. I mean, sometimes it's for the sake of the family. If you have kids, it's just sometimes hard. For the sake of the business too. Yeah, and the business too, so... Oh, in- interesting postscript for the Cosby show. You know the date that it ended? What? April 30th, 1992. The date of the Rodney King riots. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. I didn't know that. Actually, they did say that. It didn't click, though. Mm-hmm. It didn't click. But, yeah. Um, it's it's unfortunate, man. It really is. But it also shines a light on also... Um, to Guys like uh, Harvey Weinstein, just, Trump, yeah. Charlie Rose, or Al Franken, really, right? Yeah. I mean, they have varying degrees of of what constitutes rape culture or sexual assault with them. Yeah. With Al Franken, he stepped down from Congress after a photo of him surface of him gesturing, grabbing a woman's boobs, yeah. even though he didn't actually grab them. Yeah. But I guess political pressure and ethical, ethics forced him to step down. Yeah. And Matt Damon, when he said there's a difference to certain levels of sexual assault, and people bashed him for that, I'm like, you got a point, but at the same time, because of the firestorm, you should just people should just keep their mouth shut wow. at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, 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 they got valid points, but it's like the firestorm is that you use a certain word. Yeah. It's a serious thing, man. It's it is like, a serious thing. It's and, like, yeah. and is there a way to have an actual conversation about it? Absolutely. Like, we need to be more mindful and open doors for this. And then when people come forth, um, they should be, you know, they should be afforded that, that, that ear. And you know, investigation and attention because it should be taken seriously. It should be taken seriously, and, and equally at the same time, some people also use it to take advantage of situations, yeah. and they should be punished equally because this is not something to be played with. Um, it, it ruins the platform for people that have actually really been molested and abused and right. raped. So right, yeah, it's a serious thing. Um, so for them, there's been raped, and the person has been accused. Too. Yeah, now the person's exactly. been accused. So, an accusation is just as good as a conviction, even, you. even if you're acquitted. Exactly. Exactly. So at the same time, like, yeah, if you're if you're here lying, it, it fucks up the whole dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Who they yeah, like you said, the next person that comes forth with a sexual accusation, yeah, who, they, who, who are they gonna are they yeah. gonna believe you? Yeah. Exactly. Or to what extent are they gonna so believe it you? It ruins the whole magnitude of what what this really is. Um, so that's why I think if someone is falsely accused of rape and has been proven that it's a lie or whatever that person that accused them should be punished just like someone that who, someone who were to have raped her should be punished equally yeah. because it's not something you play around with at all right it's people's lives Absolutely. yeah that's why I, I i get i personally get upset when i see people being released from jail after dna evidence proves that they didn't rape a person yeah it's exactly yeah. exactly there you go exactly they, they can't get back in years no no more. no no and the person that accused them, they may be remorseful, they may have been mistaken, but the, yeah, that doesn't change anything doesn't for change. the person that was accused. Yeah, man. So yeah, um, anything you want to add on to Bill? Have we missed anything? We might. We might have. I'm um, sure. looking right now to see if we yeah. missed anything. Um, 
think I had. I'm looking to see what I said. I think I also think it was interesting, like that when he used to do this, he picked. He strategically picked some of the places where he did his shows. Like he picked Vegas because you know Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah, it's, it, it promotes a lot of <laughs> Sin City. Yeah. So yeah, culture like that culture. So like. It, it opens the doors for him to get away with stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, so I think he was kind of wise to do it that way. I think he picked it strategically. Um, and also, like, <laughs> his entitlement is actually painted a lot. He's been, a, he felt, ever since he made it, he's felt entitled. Even when, like, ladies would refuse to, you know, even the, some of the models that came yeah. in there when he didn't do them the favor that he wanted, he'd just, like, try to shit on them. Yeah. Degrade them or, you know, make them feel this little. And all men have felt that way at some point, really. It's not a frustration. It's just that some of us, we can actually just, like, pull ourselves back. It's true. Like, we're not entitled. It's, yeah. it's ego. It's ego. It's ego, yeah. It's ego. I've been there before, too. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. But it's like, I have a, a friends or me or myself pull myself back. It's like, don't even sweat it. You're not entitled. She has the right to say no. Right, right. And at the same time, <laughs> yeah, it'll definitely bruise your ego at the time. But yeah. Like, um, Thereafter, you don't try to belittle the person, dog. Or or drug them to make up for your for your lack of game. Yeah, for that matter, yeah. yeah. Some of the ladies too, I was just like, yo, he just offered you a drink with something added to it, and he told you, and you still drank the shit. I know you trusted him, but but think, still, think about it, think. yeah. And given his reputation, what you know, you've heard about him. Yeah, the ones that a lot of them that he that didn't know he had put something in the drink, but there's some of them that he actually told them. And they still drank because somehow, some way, they trusted Bill Cosby because they've known him for forever. A night, <laughs> a night yeah. It's oh like it's like going to a Tracy Morgan show oh and like what's it called? Stupid. No, knowing what he's about and still getting offended at the end. Right. Like you're right. a dumb motherfucker, then. Right. But yeah, I, I, I'm very disappointed, man. Because there's no coming back from him, though. Nah, there isn't. And especially now that he's still not remorseful. No, he, he's out. That's all he cares about, though. Yeah, but um, he definitely did a lot for, you know, black folks mm-hmm. in Hollywood, entertainment, education. Um, so definitely um, appreciate him for that. I give him his just dues, yeah. yeah but but um, you can't a, deny what he's done after the fact. As a man, I can't respect him. That's just, that's just me. So, but yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Nothing else. Nothing else. I think we can. I think we can wrap this up. Uh, two things first. Uh, yeah. We got we got another podcast coming out. Yeah. Uh, the Victory Formation Lounge podcast. Let me explain. It's his brainchild. Yeah. So it's me, side, a couple of our other brothers. Um, it's sports oriented. Uh, focuses on the NFL. Um, so we discuss week to week, uh, but we will launch next week a discussion about the off-season free agency um there's six of us and it's inspired by a a uk youtube platform for the premier league called the big six so shout out to turkish ldn Mm. he's the brain behind that um so i he inspired me to do this but focus on the nfl as opposed to the premier league so I ain't infringing on you too much, uh, <laughs> but shout out to you and the boys. This is dope. Mm-hmm. So y'all tune in. We're definitely going to release something next week uh, regarding the uh, free agency of the NFL. Um, a lot of banter, laughs, but then a lot of you know football, um, you know discussion. 
Um, so if you're interested in the NFL and all that drama behind it, definitely tune in. Um, we'll have the link below and um, also the link below for the uh, donations for... Uh, for the wider circle, for Friendly Gardens. Absolutely. Yeah. Appreciate anything you can give. Uh, love and respect. Stay blessed, everyone. Yeah. Also, another thing I want to shout out, Family Matters, this gear right here. Fred! For our friend Freddie Davis. It's his clothing line that he runs. Yeah. Um, Family Matters LLC. Look them up. Big Cartel. Yeah, they got plenty of gear. Hats, um, hoodies, sweatsuits. Absolutely. Dope clothes. Yeah. Dope clothes. Um, definitely something to celebrate the family. And also, black history and things of that nature. It's dope gear. I have tons of it at home. I'll be wearing them from time to time here as well. Uh... I'm wearing Adidas, uh, Nike, and then also, yeah, Weirdo, because I'm a weirdo. You both from, are. From uh, Be Different uh, clothing brand. Um, mm -hmm. Post a link if you like some of their stuff. Right. But, yeah. And um, you got anything else? No, man. And on that note, Christmas is canceled, motherfuckers. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Tommy, dog. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Tommy.